what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. August 2nd, 2019, episode number 90. Man, August is one of my favorite months. I thought you were going to say, wow, I can't believe it. I can believe it because we say it every week. But number 90, I think back to uh, a national number 90, Joe Hartridge. We called him Joe Show. Met him a while back. Actually traveled with him a little bit. He's from New York. So I miss miss him being out at the races. The big nine zero. That means we have 10 more episodes to 100. Triple digits coming soon. Anyway, what's going on in the world of uh, Scotty Dubler this week? Nothing, man. I'm ready to get back to some motorcycle races. I uh, had a little bit of time off. You know, the last Grand National was... Uh, New York? Where, where was I? Uh, it was New York. I don't know. I've just still been watching that Lima race. <laughs> that was a good one, that's for sure. I, I just All I do is I turn on the TV and I watch that Lima race every week. Is Jared Meese paying you to say that? No, I literally, I just love that race so much that I could watch it every week. It was, a, it was probably one of the best flat track races I've ever seen. I haven't mentioned it, I don't think, but I loved that race. Well, you, you might need to get out more. No, I don't. I'll just sit here and watch a Lima race. Um, but okay, fine, fine. Then you stay home and watch Lima. I'm gonna go to uh, I'm gonna go to Rapid City first, fly into there, and go to the Buffalo Chip on Sunday for the amazing Buffalo Chip TT. I do gotta tell you, man. If if there's one on this on the uh, schedule that I miss going to, it's this one. Uh, two crazy uh, events in a shorter period of time. You know, a couple days from each other in one of the most insane places in the country and insane in a good way i mean saying with the buffalo chip uh the scenery there the <laughs> the things going around around the race uh and then one of the fastest half miles if not, if not the fastest half mile that we go to two races you know two days apart the buffalo chip tt on sunday we got monday to recuperate and kind of move everything on over from the buffalo chip tt campground it takes a while to get everything out of there and then pack it into Rapid City, which is, you know, about 30 miles down the road and set up for the half mile, which is a it's a very different day for a race, you know, but so what? It's bike week. It is Sturgis bike week. And that rally started because of the motorcycle racing and it's just grown and grown and grown. It's now one of the biggest, if not the biggest motorcycle rally in the country. And let's be real, like you're part of the crew. Like there is no rest between those two events. It's insane what they're able to do. Uh, hats off to the whole AFT crew and the, the production guys who were able to move that trailer um, uh, in one day, get it set up and, and ready to go for another day of racing. Uh, that quick turnaround is not easy for that crew, but they seem to pull it off every year. Hats yeah, off to it, them. What else is going to be hard too is they're going to have to do the TV in just a couple of days because that you know the next TV show comes out you know real quick and they got to turn that over you know overnight i talked to caleb and the guys at nbcsn they're staying up all night as soon as we get them the footage they start cutting and splicing it brad baker's actually going to be doing the uh the color commentating so he's going to fly straight from rapid city on wednesday morning down to charlotte to do the voiceover and then he'll go from charlotte back out to california for the next weekend and it's man it, there's just no rest for hardly anybody on the staff for sure yeah it's super cool man that that, that they're able to uh you know do that that quick turnaround and you know it's one more step closer to a, a live event which they've been working towards uh you know for the past couple of years here so it's definitely two amazing days of races you got the tt and then that fast half mile so you're, there's not going to be any shortage of uh, awesome motorcycle racing in this next week uh so you should get your fill for sure absolutely and the teams you know we if you want to throw in sacramento you know we're gonna do seven in seven days <laughs> we're gonna have three nationals so you got to have 
different bikes pretty much set up for all of them. You got, you know, a TT, which has a front brake, really different suspension. A half mile may have maybe a completely different setup than the, the bike they're going to use out there at Sacramento on the miles. So uh, that's making up the rain date, uh, you know, that they uh, canceled earlier this year. So three awesome days of racing in a seven day you know time period. So it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. And I'm looking forward to it, man. It's been a while since we've been at the track. Yeah, man, it's, it's a, now that you mentioned that, I didn't even think about that on the back end with Sacramento. And then, you know, after that, it's August in itself is going to be full of flat track. We're going to have it every weekend, which is great. I like that. So for your information, Buffalo Chip is August the 4th, Rapid City, August the 6th, Sacramento, August the 10th, Peoria, August the 17th. Then we wrap it up at the end of August, Springfield Short Track, August the 30th, Springfield Mile 1, August the 31st, Springfield Mile 2, September the 1st. So it's bam, it's in your face for August. Yeah, so it's not only the whole month of August, and you got those, what, four days of racing in uh, Springfield to end it off and and start your September. So uh, we're definitely going to get our fill here. We're going to have a lot to talk about week in and week out, along with all the fun, interesting topics that seem to be uh, coming up here lately. So so who's going to win the Buffalo Chip, Carter? Oh, man. Oh, you're supposed to ask me because I'm the fortune teller. You are the fortune teller. Well, well, Scotty. The winner of the singles class is probably going to be Ryan Sipes. And the winner of the twins class, that one is up for grabs. But I'm going to have to go ahead and, and go out there with Briar Bauman. You want to talk singles first? You want to talk twins? Well, I mean, there's not a ton to talk about in the singles, but let's talk through singles. You think it's going to be Sipes, and I know why. Like last year, I mean, you can't go against that man. With the, his, he, it wasn't even close. Nobody was even in his area code or zip code while he was racing. Uh, what he did on that jump was amazing. Uh, over the jump and he was able to gain time lap after lap and and nobody even came close to touching that guy um but you're just going to completely not consider like a jesse janish who's won every tt this year well janish has been strong at every tt sipes has also been strong he's had a lot of bad luck i think the bad luck's going to be gone for him i think sipes is going to pull out the win i do expect janish to be on the podium he did get fifth there last year but he is, like you said, he's won every TT national this year so far. So uh, Janish, he'll be up there for sure. I'm expecting him on the podium. And then you can't count out the, the Pacific Northwest guys. For whatever reason, all those guys that come from the Pacific Northwest always go fast on TTs. Last year, it was Jacob Lehman. Uh, second, Cole Fredrickson was third, both from Snohomish, Washington. Up there where Brad Baker came from. So you can't count those two guys out either. Another one you want to throw in the mix might be Chad Coase. He wasn't in the singles class last year. And uh, he might get up there and give it a mix. Now, he's got some confidence. He's got uh, things rolling for him. So don't count out Chad Coase either. He did have a strong day in Lima. And another one we didn't talk about is Mikey Rush. You know, we kind of forget him because he wasn't in the singles class last year. But Mikey Rush, uh, he should be up there probably top five, if not, you know, on the podium as well. Who did you say your pick was for the Twins? I'm going to have to go with Briar. Briar Bauman. He goes good there, but you can't count Henry Wiles. You got Jake Johnson, who won last year. Jared Meese always goes good. It doesn't matter what track we go to. Jared Meese is in the mix. Sammy Halbert got you know third there last year. Um, and then you got this guy named, what, Jiggy Dog? You know, yeah. J.D. Beach, who won the Arizona race. I mean, yeah. throw him in the mix, too. Uh, Henry Wiles, <laughs> the winningest TT rider in history, will be up there. I mean, I'm still, I'm still going with Briar. Something, he's got fuel in his fire this season he man he's just he's on it it's good to see jd back last time jd ran a tt he won that's right so briar led the first two laps last year jared meese led a handful of laps then jake johnson took over last year he was on the estenson racing indian this year jake will be on the estenson yamaha which obviously we know is a proven tt winning bike with jd at the arizona super tt so 
Uh, it's anybody's race, I'm sure, just like every week. But I think I'm going to have to go with Briar. Um, look for you know Meese to be strong, and JD is going to be up there as well. Do you think uh, the fact that Johnson's on that Yamaha this year is going to be different for him? Like, do you think he'll still run up front? He should still run up front because he's not scared. You know, he's not scared to jump. He's he can he's he's a proven TT rider. He rides a lot of moto, and I think all that helps. You know, when you ride moto, you get used to using the front brake. You're used to turning right and left. Some flat track guys don't even practice jumping. They just show up and race the TT and go home. Just hope for the best. We talked about the race. Let's talk about the venue. Do you know anything that's changing for 2019 with the track? Uh, the only thing I do know is they've hired Ed Beckley to come in, and he's in charge of building all the racetracks. They do have a hill climb. They've got a motocross track now. Uh, obviously, when the TT's not there, they're going to have a short track for the, the Super Hooligans. So they've hired Ed Beckley. I do know they've made some changes to the racetrack. I just wasn't clear of what they were. I think they're kind of keeping that a secret and trying to wait and uh, show it off when the riders get there here in the next couple of days. Even if it's the exact same track as the past two years, I'm okay with that because it's a badass track. They got a lot of cool things with it with the, you know, the the right-hander around the bar, zip line over the track, like the right-hander right out of the gate, man, I think is is, uh, is pretty badass and challenging as well. So um, it's going to be a challenge for these riders no matter what it is, but it's always good to see the curveballs, and I'm okay with it being last minute and a surprise. Absolutely. I, I'm glad that they're changing it. I mean, nothing against the way it was, but why not keep it fresh for these riders and keep it fresh and exciting for the fans? I mean, that's what this sport's all about. You know, none of the tracks are the same. They're all different. They're all unique. This one is the most unique, though, because we're in front of a huge stage in front of, you know, up to about 10,000 people, um, maybe even more. You never know because it's a huge campground. They all just come on in in flocks. But, uh, man, it's such a cool setting, and I just cannot wait for this race. Uh, I got to say, man, it was super special to be there in 2017 when we did the inaugural race. Um, and that, that, that place will always hold a special place in my heart. It is super special. It is pretty amazing to see not just, you know, the music acts there, but just the whole spectacle of what that event's become. So it's cool to, to, to be there and be part of that. And I think that kind of ties into what I want to do with this week's episode. You know a guy by the name of Rod Woody Woodruff, don't you? Yeah, I know, I know Mr. Woodruff. He's the guy who started the Buffalo Chip. The man behind it all. So after the awards banquet, uh, I ran into, ran into him and, and mentioned that we had this podcast. And I just said, hey, sometime next year, would you mind coming on and talking about you know, your story and your event prior to the Buffalo Chip? And, and he said, yeah, and he gave me his card. And I was like, that's crazy. Rod Woodruff just gave me his card. I followed up. And he actually called me back. So we're going to have him on for this week's guest. What do you think? I think that's great. I think his wife was as just as excited about talking about his event on this podcast as he was. I mean, it was really cool <laughs> that you got to talk to both of them there at New York City. Yeah, she was. Uh, apparently, she's super into podcasts and didn't know that there was a flat track podcast. So um, I told her all about it and told her we've been doing it for you know X amount of weeks in a row. And uh, we were super proud of it and super happy with it. And uh, here we are talking to Rod Woodruff this week. You want to give him a call and talk some Buffalo Chip with the man himself? I think we should. I mean, wh why not lead up to this great event by talking to the man that started it all? Hello? Yeah, hi. Hi, Rod. What's going on? You guys ready for the uh, big Sturgis motorcycle rally and event coming up? <laughs> you know, we have to be ready. We've been working on it for over a year like we do for every event. 
And uh, we know all year long as we're getting ready, it's going to happen whether we're ready or not. So, by golly, we've got no choice but to be ready. Well, I saw earlier in the week people are already showing up. You got your hair cut. You got your morning pancakes and got the Sturgis <laughs> Bike Week started. So, you've got to be ready. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's all true. Yeah, the haircut was a real special deal. I've been growing, you know, we got a barber here that uh, is from Atlanta, and he's just the best barber, the only good haircut I might have ever had. And uh, <laughs> so I've been growing my hair out for months uh, and just hoping to, you know, to get that first haircut when he shows up. And my staff and my family were thinking, you need a haircut, you need a haircut, you know. So <laughs> it was it was time. Right on. So the week has officially begun. The reason we called you, of course, is for the great big Buffalo Chip TT coming up there on Sunday, August the 4th. But I want to get a little bit more information about Sturgis for the fans that don't know about it. So, And then we'll talk about your big event coming up. But uh, it's my understanding the event started way back in 1938 as the Black Hill Classic. Originally, it only featured racing and some stunts with only about 19 people attending. Is that the story you've heard, too? Well, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, um, Pappy Hoyle had uh, actually had a business selling ice, and then somebody went and made the refrigerator commercially available and put him out of business, right? Yeah. And so he got himself an Indian dealership, and uh, bottom line, just like a businessman, he invited some people over to his house. He fed him some, you know, beans and potato salad like all good Americans would do, right? Mm -hmm. And uh they went for a ride through the, the hills and, uh, you know, and that developed into the, the races. And, yeah, I think, uh, you know, 19 people, I don't know that there were that many. It seems like there were only nine that actually participated in the race. But uh, <laughs> right. there might have been, been 19 on the, on that first ride. I'll have to count them. I got a photograph, uh, you know, of the ride. Um, an old photographer who's 95 years old right now. Wow. Um, took the picture and was telling me about how he, you know, in those days, you know, they didn't have, uh, you know, cell phones and smartphones with uh, high tech cameras. So, you know, he set up a camera in the, in the mountains there in the hills and then they planned it all out and rode in and he got to snap the shot as they were, they were coming in. So, you know, if I dig out the picture, I can I can count the number of people that were were there in the ride. That is so cool. My grandpa actually, Dan Dibbler, actually rode for Pappy Hoyle for a while. There, I know they've got some road racing pictures from Daytona, and it says Pappy Hoyle's on the side of the, the the road race bike. But that's pretty cool. So, how did you get involved? When was your first rally? You know, I didn't even know the uh, rally existed. It was so small. And uh, what happened was, I'm a lawyer, and I was. Uh, in New York for a bar association thing and just uh, come back from the airport and driving by this little hill and there's motorcycles climbing up this hill. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So, you know, I kind of like motorcycles, of course. And so I stopped to see what's going on. And, and uh, really it was, it was the motorcycle rally. And it's just that small. You didn't even know it was here, even though the town is only a little over 4,000 people at the time. And, uh, you know, then, my brother, actually, uh, when he come back from the military, I didn't, unbeknownst to me, he got himself a motorcycle and he comes out to the Black Hills. Cause, and I said, what are you doing there? He says, oh, just a bunch of guys get together and ride around through the hills for a week or so, right? Yep. And uh, 
Yeah, so that's that's my first exposure to the uh, to the rally, and I lived here and was practicing law at the time, you know, in the neighborhood, and uh, you know, it just it wasn't that big of a deal. Wow. So I, I've asked my parents, and I, I think my first rally was back in 1973. I was just over one year old, or just about to be one years old, and I think I've been to about 40 rallies. Do you know how many you've been to? Well, I can tell you for certain that this is my 38th time here with the uh, Buffalo Chip. We have 38 wow. consecutive years of events. Wow. And so I think those are the only ones I can count. Okay. All right. So the way I was told is that uh, the rally kept growing and growing. Then back in 1982, the city of Sturgis pretty much outlawed camping in the Sturgis City Park. So everybody needed a place to stay. And for the bikers, they needed a place to hang out. So the Buffalo Chip Campground came into existence. Is that correct? And and what was your role in making that happen? You know, the, uh, you know, it's sort of correct and not so sort of correct. The uh, city had decided they needed to get the riffraff out of town. And okay. uh, that's a quote from the mayor when I talked with him. And, and uh, <laughs> so they did close the city park because people were just having too much fun. And uh, so they were trying to figure a way to keep people from, you know, coming into town. And really, it's just as simple as, as uh, this. It's without all help. They don't want people in town. Why don't we find someplace outside of town where people can go? And uh, so we went uh, looking uh, for some property that uh, would work. And uh, about three, four miles out of town, there was a, you know, an old pasture that had a little bit of an incline that really had an amphitheater, a natural amphitheater. Um, and we thought, well, this would be a nice place. And went and talked to the lady that owned the place and made some arrangements to, you know, borrow the land for a party. And uh, that was really how it started. And um, so, you know, the campground thing was just, uh, you know, people were partying and you don't want to get out on the road on a motorcycle after you've been partying too much. And, you know, they party till dawn anyway and so basically just uh stayed here so that's really how we got to be a campground it uh, wasn't a great big plan for anything other than having a good time that's awesome so where did the name buffalo chip come from um you know there's two different versions for that so you already would guess what the popular version would be so my version <laughs> of it is my version of it is like this uh when i grew up uh, i was a cowboy fan right i mean and uh you know, Buffalo Bill Cody was uh, one of my personal heroes, and I was reading all about him. And his best friend was a guy named uh, um, White, Jonathan White. And uh, i give you a long story about his uh, life and how they got together, but Cody attributed him for being his best friend and uh, having saved his life, covering his back um, on at least one occasion. And it was just the epitome of, uh, you know, friendship and and loyalty and uh you know it fit right in here and as it turned out cody got him a job as a as a scout for uh you know the army and about three months after uh custer lost at uh, bighorn american horse uh was encountered by um jonathan white and some other folks uh, scouting for one of the cavalries there it was the fifth cavalry and uh so they had a little battle um just north of here and he was killed north of here and uh and is buried up there and there's a monument up there for him but you know as i was looking for how to start promoting you know the buffalo chip 
I went to uh, um, Cody, Wyoming, went through the Buffalo Bill Museum, which at that time was all nothing but Buffalo Bill, and uh, the stuff that he did uh, for promoting the Wild West show and so on. And I mean, the man was the best promoter in the history of the world, bar none. I mean, you think about having 20,000 people in attendance sometimes three times a day in New York, for example, taking all that show to New York without television, without radio, without the internet, um, you know, with we got a telephone or I mean a telegraph maybe and a guy that could ride in with a on a train and then put up some posters and have 20,000 people show up three times a day. And you think, wow, how do they handle parking for 20,000 people who arrived <laughs> right. on, on horse drawn wagons. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we talk about parking today, give me a break. Right. Right. So, you know, so I went, I went through, uh, you know, I'd read, read a number of biographies of Buffalo bills and uh, went down there and just saw the artwork and stuff that he used to promote his own thing. And, you know, it just seemed like uh, Buffalo Chips was given that name by General Sheridan because he had uh, basically mimicked Buffalo Bill everywhere. And so um, Sheridan was making fun of him for being just, uh, you know, a copycat from I don't know, mm -hmm. for Buffalo Bill. But I thought, you know, Cody, when he said he had to, he couldn't write an autobiography without including his best friend who covered his back. I thought, you know, that's really what we need around here is just a little bit more of that friendship loyalty blended in with promotion. So, you know, we just blended it with, with that. And uh, that's why I picked the name for uh, right. know, Buffalo Chip. That is a super so, cool story. A, I, I, nev I never heard that. That's awesome, Rod. Well, people don't know that. I mean, we just started a, a little ride, too. I couldn't figure out where he was buried. And... Uh, I figured it would be at Fort Meade here, but, uh, you know, actually it's 88 miles north of here in the Slim Buttes. And, uh, there's a monument up there for Jonathan White, U S scout killed here by American horse and so on. And, wow. uh, you know, so Memorial day this year, we, uh, had our first annual little Memorial day ride and, uh, rode up to the, to the grave site and the Memorial. And we're going to do that again every year. Just uh, a good time to start the riding season anyway, around here Memorial wow. day. That is awesome. That's really cool. What I also find amazing is that during the first 20 years, you continue to maintain an active law practice and develop real estate and have taken on this great big responsibility, the Buffalo Chips. So how did you make it all work? Oh, you know, everybody has to have something to do, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, you live your day one life at a time. I, you know, it's just uh no secret. It isn't like I had a big master plan, frankly, uh, making all this stuff work. You know, when we, we uh, you know, started off, this was just another hobby. And it's like, if I didn't already tell you, just a natural outgrowth of throwing keg parties in high school. Right. So I had that, right. that was my, <laughs> that was my experience in the, in the deal. And uh, so, you know, we operated it the same way as a keg party, you know, at first few years, um, you know, we come out here and take the gate down, chase out the cows and, uh, you know, have, have a party. And we do that just beforehand. There's no water, no electricity, none of that. So, I mean, it was just uh -huh. a party in the pasture and, uh, you know, then people started wanting, wanting things, right. Like water, mm -hmm. right. And like, <laughs> like electricity. And so, you know, then it's a question of, okay, how do we do that? And so we just grew day by day, basically trying to 
take care of what our guests wanted for their own conveniences. So awesome. you know, we didn't uh, we didn't get a KOA franchise or anything. I'd never heard of such a thing, right? Right. So we right. were just uh, we were just having a party and trying every year to make the party a little bit better. And every year more people would show up. So you know, every year the challenges were you know, God, what do we have to do next year to make it better still? And so that's that's just been our uh, that's been our role is just to make it better every year without losing the magic. I mean. Back in uh, 2000, I think, or maybe, I don't know, it was in the 90s sometime probably, 38 Special come out, and, and that was our first live recording made out here, you know, this 38 Special live at Sturgis. And uh, I asked him, I said, you know, what is it that uh, that made you choose this place to do a live recording, right? And I just, one of those things you never forget, the, the production guy says, well, there's seems to be something out here that just doesn't exist anyplace else. Right. Oh. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, and really what it is, it's the atmosphere that is created by the people that are, are the guests. I mean, the artists just love coming here. So, I mean, we've had 38 special out here probably then, you know, once or twice already. And, uh, just like the other folks that, you know, continue to come back, they love the audience. They love being here. There's just an ambiance, and that's the word the guy used. He said there seems to be a certain ambiance here that doesn't exist anywhere else. And I thought, you know what? That's spectacular. That's spectacular. So that, that you know, so that that's what drives it. We try to not screw up the ambiance and yet make it bigger and better every year. So that's well, that's it. Well, I I'd have to agree with all that. I mean, just being there, I get to announce from a little side stage off of the main stage, and and you can feel the energy from the fans and from the people there. Everybody's having a good time, and then you know it's just so much fun. And I've been there several times, and it's it's just a big, huge party. And like you said, the ambiance is there. Um, you've been able to develop this largest music festival in motorcycling in one of the world's top party venues. I just think it's amazing what you've done. Um, Back in 2016, uh, you hosted flat track racing with the Roland Sands Hooligan Series in front of the main stage. Was that the first time you ever had flat track involved in the Buffalo Chip? Yes, it was. You know, okay. I mean, we'd have people come out and do races, you know, I mean, all kinds of, you know, kind of like silly uh, races that people want to do, like, I'll race you and, and let's go. But, uh, yeah, when Roland come along, that was our first attempt at anything that was organized as a race. Okay. And that was also the, the debut of the FTR 750. That was, again, in 2016. How cool was it that Indian Motorcycle wanted to debut that, that beautiful, awesome motorcycle at your, you know, your event, your campground? <laughs> you know, you just you go through life and you have those moments where you just get a privilege that uh, nobody else has. It's exclusive and it's not ever going to happen again. It's just a once in a lifetime thing. And you never really maybe appreciate just how significant it can be. And uh, really that's happened to us more than once, but that, that introduction was, was one of the things, you know, standing there, you know, just, uh, with uh, you know some of the officials from the Indian Motorcycle Company and, and visiting about that and then watching it when we're doing it and you know having them light up and how well it's going and what the how well received it was by the people you know that's it always comes down to the people and it's they, you know that's the thing um, when they showed that off to folks it, it, people loved it instantly and so you yeah. know just it just again this goes on that way. 
I, I love it. So one of those moments for me was 2017, the first time I got to announce there at the Buffalo Chip when American Flat Track joined the party. So what were your thoughts on that inaugural race there at the Buffalo Chip for the American Flat Track Series? Actually, it was the president of the Indian Motorcycle said, you know, we got to do more of this, right? And I thought, hallelujah, yes, we do. And so then I got a call from, uh, you know, Cameron Gray, who was a COO from American Flat Track. And, uh, you know, so they were looking for something different. And kind of we have a reputation for being something different, right? Yep. And uh, so we got to talking about it and uh, decided that, you know, I thought, well, let's just have this race right in the middle of the amphitheater. Let's design a track that uh, can work inside the amphitheater. And so, they, you know, we did our contract. He wanted to do the contract on the thing. I said, you know, if we're going to do it, we need to do it next week. So you need to fly out here, and we'll spend however much time it takes to get together. We did that over three days. They flew out, and uh, we spent three days going over it, got the contract. Then Chris Clark, a seven-time world champion, um, he comes out and designs to the track. Dennis Fearson from Dirtworks. Uh, you know, comes out and builds a world-class track. So we got a half a mile technical track inside the amphitheater with a starting line right in the front, right in the middle of the main stage, the Wolfman Jack stage, and it's also the ending point. So, and what Chris wanted to do, being a seven-time world champion, is he wanted to make it challenging. So he said, you know, you got all these racers and everything's a left turn, a left turn, left turn, left turn. So you're just going around in this oval, a left turn, let's put some right-hand turns in here and surprise mm-hmm. everybody, right? <laughs> and yep. uh, so that was it. So you come off the starting line, and the first thing you got is you got a right-hand turn. And then, then we threw in a, a jump, right? And so then mm-hmm. we've got some, we've got some uh, bleachers that, uh, from the uh, high school, and uh, you know, they, they were upgrading at their gym, so we got all these bleachers, and we set them up so that we could make them mobile. And we moved them up so people could sit um, in the bleachers or stand around this thing. And so you're actually right at the edge of the track. And you know this cause you were here, but right mm-hmm. at the edge of the track. And then along comes this jump and you're these dirt track racers hitting this jump and whew, they're landing. And the first thing they do when they land is they got a left hand turn followed by two right hand turns. Right. And mm-hmm. so it, uh, what NBC said was that that was the best race footage that they could ever shot the best racing show they ever had. What other race has there ever been where you want to watch the race when you already know who won, right? <laughs> exactly. So yep. I never, never thought of it like that, but they, it's such an entertaining um, situation. You know, somebody crashes, they just climb over the fence and have a beer, right? Um, <laughs> yep. it, uh, <laughs> it just it worked pretty slick. We're just real happy, real excited to do that. And frankly, the number of people out here, I mean, we got pretty good sized crowd here and uh, the number of people who watch it, they estimated it over 10,000 and right around the, the track watching the thing. And then we got elevated viewing on about 270 degrees as well. And uh, so, you know, it, uh, it, it just made quite a display for, for everybody. So, yeah, we got, uh, yeah. so we'll be doing that again this year. Um, that's that's true. So we're happy to have NBC come out and be making TV shows out of it. And uh, you know, but that's the line. I thought, what race do you want to watch on television where you already know who won, right? Yeah, and, I uh, love that. Just... <laughs> that 
That's so cool, man. It's it's such a cool track. I like the right hand turns. I like the you know the first turns a right hander. You you got to jump. You got to go around a bar in the center of the the racetrack and. Uh, you know, the people are just, you know, a few feet away from the racetrack. I love every bit of it. And then my fondest memory from the first couple of years is as soon as we finished, I mean, we had a deadline. We're supposed to be done at a certain time so the next headlining band can come on. As soon as I finished whatever interview, the winning interview, the third place interview, I can't remember, but they opened up the gates and the people just stormed towards the front and got to enjoy the celebration with us. And then the concert started immediately following that. And I just, I totally love that. So I think it's, you know, everything that you guys are doing up there is, is great. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we're still having fun and uh, you know, the audience uh, loved it. And I think what I started to say was those 10,000 people that are watching the race, probably most of those people had never been to a flat track race before and they were real surprised at how much they enjoyed it. Right. And yep. so, yeah, so it, it's just, uh, it's been real good, real entertaining. Absolutely. Let's talk about 2019. It's coming up on Sunday. So you're improving and growing every year. What is something new that the fans can look forward to when they come to the Buffalo chip here in 2019? Well, you know, we've had six, flash floods it's rained every friggin day it seemed like up until about except for when it was snowing um you know every day through spring right up until about july 15th and so all this stuff came together just uh, remarkably remarkably well so you know the best thing people are going to notice is they aren't going to notice the struggles the crew had getting all this thing together but you know the entrance out at the front we've re redone our our vendor uh, um, village out at the crossroads, which is a free access area. And we've um, completely redone the buildings out uh, there for a more shelter for when it rains, like it did again last night and a couple of nights before that. You know, we got a little bit of different structure for the track. I've modified some things the racers are going to notice, which is going to make it still more competitive. And then we, uh, we had a deal before that uh, the riders had to come through the crowd basically in order to get to the track. And so we built a bridge across our, uh, the Creek and uh, have a separate uh, private entrance just for the racers. So when the racers enter into the track, they'll be able to be announced and, uh, you know, take their bows as they come onto the track from across the uh, bridge. You know, personally, I like that. I think that's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun be something uh, something new and then Roland's going to set up his little uh, compound and his party bus right uh, off to the side on Wednesday when we have the hooligan races so we'll have a little after party right in the middle of the thing with uh, Roland and his crew. Wow that's awesome and then when we get finished there on Sunday night Godsmack takes the stage so uh, if someone's out there that's listening to this podcast and has never you know been out to the Buffalo Chip or they're on the fence about making it out there what would you say to them? Take a chance, man. Come on. You might, you might have more fun than you've had in a long time. And uh, you're certainly going to see, going to see world-class riders. I mean, if you're curious at all about motorcycles and motorcycle riders, the very best are here. Um, the world champions are here competing for points to either retain or gain that world championship title. We have a 2017 year reference. I was surprised we went to the awards ceremony where the riders were getting their awards for over the year and, and uh, so on and so forth. And by golly, they surprised us with announcing us as the 
event of the year for American flat track. And so we are so proud of that as well. But what a complete surprise. But that's just how much the riders and, and uh, all the folks with the AFT and Indian and uh, NBC enjoyed it. And uh, same way for the spectators. So, you know, bring your kids on out, see your race. Um, come on out yourself, see the race, and uh, stick around because right after the race and right after the awards, yeah, Godsmack's going to take the stage and do one heck of a show. That is awesome. Rod, we really appreciate your time. Before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? You know, I thank everybody because you know what? It isn't any one person that does a whole lot of stuff around here. It's everybody. It's all of the staff. We got a Right uh, during the rally and stuff, we have right at 500 temporary employees out here working and helping. We got over 100 vendors out here that are servicing, you know, all the folks that want to look at new products, who want to look at products and do something as mundane as maybe buying a cool T-shirt. And, uh, you know, everybody makes it, everybody makes it work. And so, you know, we're just appreciative for all that stuff. We're very blessed. Rod, it's a top-notch event, a top-notch facility, top-notch team, and we really appreciate your time. Enjoy the 2019 rally, and we'll see you soon. Thanks much. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Rod. Rod Woodruff, ladies and gentlemen, the man himself. I think it's so cool. You know what's really cool is he's right now already in the middle of Sturgis Bike Week, the biggest, like we said, one of the biggest rallies, and he took the time out of his busy schedule and allotted us some time to talk about his awesome event, and I think that's just, that speaks volumes for the the kind of guy he is, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's got to be hectic there already, man. It hasn't really kicked in and started, but you know, they're, they're already going full steam ahead like a few weeks out, so... Um, the fact that he took the time, we absolutely appreciate it. And it's a super cool story, dude. Like, this dude started the Buffalo Chip. And he's uh, he's talking flat track with us, and he seems super stoked to have the event there now. And he al- he also shows up at other races. I see him at, at several other venues. So yep. it's not just his event that he supports. He supports the other promoters, and, and he goes and, and watches and sees what they do so he can add to his event. And I think it's awesome. I love following the guys on Instagram, Sturgis Buffalo Chip. Check them out. They keep you updated to what's going on out there. There are some huge concerts. And as soon as we get done on Sunday night, Godsmack takes the stage. And I might... I'm not a concert goer per se, but I might stick around and watch that one. That's going to be one to go to regardless of whether you even listen to their music, right? Like it's it's at that place, well, at that venue, at following a flat track race, why the hell not stay for Godsmack, right? Well, I listen to their music. I know their music, but I just, I've, I'm not a fan that goes to concerts. I like CDs. I like listening to them on my, you know, whatever you know, digital <laughs> you music say or whatever. I, like I just CDs. don't go to concerts. You old man, you, I like CDs. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Just because I was born before you were even. Uh, yeah, I'm old. I got it. I get it. It's okay. It's just funny that like that, that's the point we are in now, nowadays where somebody says, I listen to CDs and you're like, what? You look at them like they said I listened yeah. to my eight track. Hey Carter. <laughs> hey Scott. Carter. What? So we just talked about Buffalo Chip yep. with the man himself coming up There's this weekend. Also an, oh. another race two days after. Well, we talked about that a little bit last week with Terry Reimer, but I, it's probably worth doing the uh, the little preview before before uh, we get to that event because we're not gonna have time. We're not gonna have another episode before before that event. That's right. And then next week, we'll have to talk about Sacramento, the Lodi Short Track we on Friday night and the Sacramento Mile on Saturday night. But uh, before that, let's talk some Rapid City Half Mile. Like you said earlier in our opening, it is the fastest half mile, 
I think without a doubt on the circuit. Um, you can uh, argue that the California race is, but I think it's that's it's such a short half mile. I think this one is a true half mile. It's a true race car track, and man, you know it's a fast half mile. It's one of my favorites when I was racing. Would you say it's fast because of the way that they prep the track, or it's because of the dirt, or because of the shape of the track? I would say all of the above. The corners are banked so you can hold your speed and carry your speed through the corners. The way they prepped the track in the past, Dale Shell said was the man that, that prepped the racetrack. He's not gonna be doing it this year, but the you know, the track should be okay depending on how they prep it, but you add a lot of moisture to it. When that sun sets, there's a lot of rubber in that dirt. It's good, rich, black dirt. Uh, it seems like black dirt's really, really tacky. It takes rubber really fast. There's a lot of car racing that goes on there and has gone on there in the past. Uh, it grooves up really fast, and the, the groove is wide. That's what flat trackers need. If there's going to be a groove racetrack, you don't want a little bitty notch on the bottom. You don't want a little bitty notch on the top. You want it to be you know, at least six or eight feet wide. And I think last year it was even wider than that. You could pretty much race anywhere on this racetrack. So let's get into it, man. Who are you picking for this one? Ooh, For the singles, man, this is going to be a, a tough one, but... I'm going to have to go with the repeat winner. I think Shayna went really good there last year. She won on the Husqvarna. Uh, she won by almost a full second over Ryan Wells. Wells actually led more laps. Uh, he led he led eight laps. Shayna led the last seven. So I'm thinking Shayna's going to go back to back. I think Mikey Rush is going to be strong there. Uh, and, you know, don't count out Morgan Mishler and Chad Coase. You know, Chad Coase, like we keep saying, he's got some momentum. He didn't race in the singles class there last year. But uh, those are my top picks. Man, I don't. I just. I don't know. But I, I, I'm gonna have to go with Shayna. Back-to-back wins. Shayna's always gonna run well. I think uh, it's, and you got those those like you said, Michler, Coast, and Rush, who are always right there as well. I mean, they at any point they can have an amazing race or hit the perfect setup and just find find speed and contend with uh, with Shayna, Wells, and Bromley. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, how the track actually uh, ends up looking. Uh, what the weather's like, all those things are going to play a factor. And the one person that we, we haven't talked about, the points leader, Dalton Gote, he didn't race last year, right? Because he was out, but he'll be a factor at that TT. We, we didn't even mention his name earlier, but, um, and he, you know, he's going to be strong at this half mile. He, he's going to have a lot of speed and talk about momentum, man. Just signed with Harley Davidson on the, on the production twin side. Um, he's going to, he's going to be looking to go at it at, at Black Hills for sure. Absolutely. He'll be strong in the singles class. And it's actually a good way to start talking about the production twins class. He and Raspoli will be riding the Black Hills Harley Davidson, uh, obviously with the help from Vance and Hines. So both those two guys are going to be having something to prove. They're, they're going to try to win right there in front of their hometown sponsor right there in Rapid City. Uh, another rider that should go strong in the production twins class is Corey Texter. He's only been beat once this year so far in that production twins class. And I'm pretty sure Corey really likes the Rapid City Half Mile. It's going to all be about making a statement, right? Rispoli and Goatee are going to want to make a statement because, you know, Black Hills, Harley Davidson right there. Texter's going to want, want to get back on the winning streak and make a statement. And then you got Carlisle and Varnes who are looking for their first win in the series, right? Um, and Coase, he's looking to say, hey, I can be competitive in the series as well and get back-to-back wins for coming off that strong win in Lima. So it's all about making a statement. Whoever comes out on top will do just that. Yeah, one more in that production twins class. I mean, we didn't mention him lately is uh, Kale Colquin. He skipped the last round. Uh, Kale has got that Yamaha working really strong. He went really fast out there at the SoCal Half Mile, a very similar racetrack. I think Kale Colquin could be up on the podium in this one too. So that covers the production twins. Let's talk about the AFT twins, the premier class last year. What a battle it was between Carver and Meese. They pretty much went back and forth the whole main event. Meese ended up leading 16 laps. Carver led nine laps and Meese end up winning by, listen to this, Carter, 0.032 seconds. 
that's like a snap of your fingers. It's like half a bike length. So if it comes down to that close of a race, I'll be excited. Um, but these two riders, man, I think they're going to put on another show. I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but I uh, that Lima race is pretty awesome. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> the, the closest thing I can think of to that Lima race was this Black Hills half mile last year when they, I mean, cause they literally went at it. The finish was amazing. I remember thinking that Carver actually won, uh, but it was Mies cause it just barely edged him out there at the end. It's going to be a lot of the same when they go to the half mile next week. And I think that, uh, I think Carver might have something for him, man. At least I'm pulling for him. I, 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 I want Carver to get his win. Um, like you said, he's definitely been running strong lately. I just want to see him get that W, get atop the box there at Black Hills. So Carver's pretty much going to be my pick as well. Even though you can't count out Briar, Briar's going to be on the box with them. Meese is going to be up there. Another guy that goes strong on that half mile. Uh, Brian Smith got third there last year on the Indian. He's on his Kawasaki now, the Crosley Howerton Kawasaki. Uh, maybe he can back it up. And one more guy we got to throw in the mix, Davis Fisher, who won his semi. He was long gone in that semi, went over backwards, celebrating across the finish line. So he didn't have very much time. He put his tail between his legs, took that bike back to his mechanic, his dad. They fixed the motorcycle. He came up through the field and ended up running seventh. So That's if he crazy. wouldn't have yeah. torn that motorcycle, man, he could have been battling for his first ever Grand National victory. To come back after that after that hit to the gut, I mean, it, it, it had to be rough. Uh, but to finish seventh, it just shows that he knows how to go faster as well. So um, in Breyer, like, I think, you know, he's definitely got something to prove. He showed that he's here for that championship after contending and winning in New York. It should be fun to watch him go. That's why we race. We got to see who's going to win. Breyer's in the points lead now with 170 points, two wins on the season. Me sitting second with 144. Brandon Robinson, we didn't mention him, but this could be his kind of racetrack as well. Uh, he struggled last year, and Robinson might be uh, a man to sneak up on us here for this one. I think he goes good on these clay half miles. You know, the Kennedy Indian might put him up there near the front as well. I think I'm ready for a flat track fact. Do you have one for me? Well, I've got plenty of facts, and it's more like stats this week. So mm. instead of the flat track fact, I got facts. Okay. So I've uh, done some research. Uh, we've only been going to the Buffalo Chip for two years, so there's not a lot that people don't know about that one. But... Let's go back to the history of the Rapid City Half Mile. We started racing Grand Nationals there back in 1991. A really good friend of mine, Ronnie Jones, took the win on a Honda. The very next year, we didn't race there, but 93, we go back. That was Ricky Graham's historic year when he went on that winning streak. He won on a Honda. Then you got some more of the who's who of flat track. Chris Carr won in 94. Scotty Parker won in 95. Kevin Atherton won in 96. Rich King in 97. So you're talking about some of the biggest names in our sport have won at this racetrack. Uh, Joe Kopp won in 04. Jared Meese won in 15, 17, and 18. Brian Smith actually won here back in, in 2016. The point of the story is the who's who of flat track have won at this racetrack. We've had 13 Grand Nationals there, seven Harley-Davidson wins, three Honda wins, two Indians the last two years, and one Kawasaki in 2016. So there's the flat track facts of the week. I like it. So it's all about who's going to put their name in that book again. Do you think it'll be another Indian? I think it will be an Indian. Right now, the Indian is the bike to beat, especially on the half miles and miles. On the TTs, Indians got things figured out for sure on the half mile and miles. Uh, the factory Harleys are getting closer and closer, maybe soon they'll start winning again if they could you know they could win this weekend at the buffalo chip i think they're inching their way up closer on the half mile well we we checked all the boxes we previewed the buffalo chip check we got the interview with uh with rod woodruff check that's awesome 
And then, big check. Big check. That was awesome. I mean, how cool is that? Rod Woodruff was on our podcast. And then we previewed the Black Hills half mile. So checked all the boxes. I think uh, we can say this one's this one's done. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you. I uh, want to say thanks to everybody that comes up to me and, and thanks me for doing the podcast. That means a whole lot. Uh, I know, Carter, you don't get to feel that because you're not the races with us. But I feel uh, it, man, Scotty. It means, I feel it. It means the world to us. Uh, we appreciate all of you folks for tuning in. Smash that like button. Tell all your friends about the podcast and uh, keep her on two wheels. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next Friday. Wish I was coming to the chip with you, buddy. But uh, maybe we just plan for next year and uh, and we'll start talking about what I'm doing here for Springfield. How about that? Sounds good. Have a good week, uh, and I'll talk to you next week. We'll uh, try to get a special guest lined up, and uh, you don't want to miss next week's special episode. Special guest. I like special guests. Let's get special guests. I like special guests. I think he's pretty special. Special. I think he, he's pretty special. He. Ooh. I'm out, dude. All right, buddy.